We're going to uh, turn in our Bibles to 2 Peter, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 12 to the end of the chapter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. We're reading, of course, as we've often said from the authorized version, a very faithful and reliable translation of the Holy Scriptures. I encourage you to bring your Bible with you and turn to the place appointed for the reading. And not only hear the words, but see the words for yourself. See them in the book. Take notice of them. Let's hear the word of the Lord. For those online, the words will also come up on the screen. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ have showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12 right through to 15. And my theme tonight is entitled, Remembering the Truths of the Gospel. Now, I've already informed you in times past, as well as this morning, that the word remember is used 210 times in the Bible. Remember the law of first mention, Genesis 8 and 1. Here's the first time the word remember is used. And God remembered Noah. Isn't it wonderful to think that God wonderfully and deliberately brought thoughts into his mind about Noah? That Noah was in the mind of God? Not only in his inward thoughts, but in God's outward action toward Noah on the basis of grace and mercy. 
And God, of course, uses these 210 references in the Bible to call us to remember many things. And over the years, we've preached in some of these things that we remember. Remember the battle, uh, remember the banquet, uh, and, and we, we also remember believers in a particular circumstances who, who prayed to God. As we thought this morning uh, from Psalm 106, verse 4, uh, remember me, O Lord. Uh, with the favor that thou bearest toward thy people. Visit me, oh, visit me with thy great salvation. Now, I've also discovered that there's 53 additional references to the word remembrance and remembering. That's 263 in total. So we'll ask the question, why repeat the word in the Bible? Remember, remembrance. And the answer's simple. We're prone to forget. We're prone to leave off pondering and meditating, especially the things that the Lord wants us to remember. Things to do with the work of God. Things to do with the worship of God. Things to do with the witness of God. Things to do with walking with God. Things to do with the Word of God. Now here we are in Second Peter, and the Apostle Peter is writing his last message to the people of God in his day, in generation, and ultimately to us. The Apostle Peter is writing as one who is facing death. He is writing his last message. He knows that soon his earthly life will be over. He's an old man now. He knows he's taking his last few steps of his earthly ministry. He knows that he's standing on the threshold of eternity. And what does he want to do to that church and to us? He wants to share his final message to the Lord's people. Now notice the word remembrance. You'll find it there three times, verse 12, verse 13, and verse 15. So we're going to ask remembrance of what? And the answer is, if you look very carefully, he says in verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. And then he says... Um, though ye know them and be established in the present truth, yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to put you, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. This shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ have showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Now, what's he talking about? These things that you already know. These things that you're currently established in. The things that you would say is and are the present truth. See, Peter was well aware of false teaching in his day and generation. It was alive and well in Peter's day. The church was in danger of being beguiled by heretics and apostates. So he's really issuing really a warning to the church. Listen to what he says in chapter 3 and in the verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. The Apostle Peter is very concerned for the true church in his day. And he had a desire that they would hold on to sound doctrine. And he wanted the believers in his day, in our days, to be firmly grounded in the great truths of the gospel. Truths that center really in the person and work of Christ. He has fully expounded the gospel to them. 
And if you read very carefully uh, chapter 1 of his second letter, uh, verses 1 to 11, you'll understand the great truths that he has taught them in presence and by writing. These believers, we could really say, have received the gospel light and gospel truth, and they're currently established in it. They, They already know it. And yet, and here's the thought, it was to such a people that he calls upon to have these truths constantly and carefully in their hearts and in their minds. So here's the text for tonight, 2 Peter chapter 1, 12 to 15. Here's the theme, remembering the truths of the gospel. Three things. The key to remembering the truths of the gospel. If I was to ask tonight what is one of the chief characteristics of a good Bible teacher or the chief characteristic of a good preacher, the answer is this. The concept of constant reminders. In other words, the chief characteristic of a good Bible teacher is to teach by constant repetition. A constant reminder of things already that individuals claim that they have learned and claim to know. If you look at chapter 1, verse 10, he says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. And then he says again in verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Look at verse 13. Yea, I think it meet. In other words, it's, it's right and proper. As long as I'm alive, as long as I'm in the body to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, and even after my death and my decease, you will then have these things always in remembrance. This was not a hiss and miss job for Peter. This was not something he'd done occasionally. His chief characteristic in preaching and teaching was a constant reminder of things that they already claimed to know. Now, now stop and pause here, because I don't believe it's accidental. Think of the word remembrance three times. Out of the 263 references, here's three of them used in this context. See, I believe the Lord wants us to take notice here. He, he wants us to think of something. He wants us to ponder. He, 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 he wants us to meditate. The apostle Peter has been amongst these people for some time. He has preached the gospel to them. And you can read the context. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. Think of the word wherefore in verse 12. In light of this. Then I want you to do this. And if you study those verses. Which I'm not going to do. You've got some of the great truths. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have a sharing of what true faith in Christ really is. And is all about living out the gospel in face of death and in light of the world to come. Peter's saying, I have preached and expounded to you the gospel. You received the gospel from my lips. You've experienced the gospel. You've embraced the gospel. You enjoy the gospel. You're established in the gospel. 
You already know this now. I want you to learn it again. I want you to let it grip your heart and mind. I want it to affect your life. See, he knew the church was facing problems within. There was false teachers in the church. They were advocating views that were really denying the good news of Jesus Christ. They were causing people to doubt what the present truth was. They were really destroying the gospel. And it was causing a big problem. And of course, the church was facing pressure from without. Remember, these are the days when Nero was on the throne. The threat of punishment and violence simply for being a Christian, naming the name of Christ. Nero worship was rife. Nero demanded to be worshipped like a god. The threat was, worship me or die. These were days when people were losing their jobs. Their homes were being repossessed. They were being attacked physically and mentally. The, 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 the threat was, was having a grip on them. And what was it causing? It was causing a drift. It, it, it was causing people to deny Christ. It was causing people to depart, depart from the faith. And of course, what were they saying, these false teachers? They were saying part of this, that Jesus Christ does not come in the flesh. They were denying his incarnation, denying his virgin birth. And here's Peter. And to counteract this, he's using the technique of a good wise teacher of constant repetition to strengthen the believers in their life. And I want to say tonight that I believe, and I'm not an educationalist, but repetition is the key to learning. Here's the key to remembering the great truths of the gospel. Repetition. As I've said, I'm not a teacher or an educationalist. The modern approach to teaching goes something like this. You've got a set of modules, say, in history, or, say, on the rise of Babylon or the rise of Rome. You've, if it's history, you've eight weeks to study World War I. You might have eight weeks to study World War II. And then after the eight weeks, you get a test. And you get a question-and-answer session. And you answer the questions, and you've passed and then the thought is, well, that's behind you now. You, you've learned that. You're done with it. But is that real education? Is that real teaching? Peter says no, certainly not when it comes to biblical truth, because the real secret of education has to do with repetition. See, I, I remember an old man in the faith mission uh, when I was there many, many years ago, and he used to start the class with a 10-minute review of what he's taught the week before. And of course, we as smart Alex of students, and we were smart Alex, thought we knew better. Um, we, we, we started to sing uh, one uh, particular afternoon, and the song sort of went, you know, uh, from the hymn book, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. And he tittered and laughed, and he joined in. He had a good sense of humor. And then he says, but what about the line, tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. So he says, how many can give a 10-minute review of my lecture last week? Well, of course, there wasn't one of us putting their hand up. Not one of us could remember what the lecture really was, even to give the bones of the lecture. See, there was the truth. Learning a thing over and over again, till it gripped our hearts and minds, till it became part and parcel of us, till it defined us, till it shaped us. And that's what Peter wanted. 
in this church in his day. So that the things of God, the gospel of Christ and his personal work, salvation, the doctrine of scripture, heaven and hell. He said, I want you to really know this so that this impacts upon your life now and in the world to come. Here he is writing to believers who know these things already. They have embraced them. They've experienced them. They're enjoying them. They're established in them. And yet what does Peter say? I want you and us to put them in remembrance. We're mentioning uh, the late Dr. Alan Kearns. And I remember many years ago in conversation with him, he mentioned something. We were talking about the rediscovery of the gospel. And this is what he said. He said, you young men, I'm glad he said young men, you young men need to treasure the truth of the gospel. And how could you do that? Except it be by repetition. Let what you know shape and mold and help you to stand as a bulwark against the false preacher, the false teacher, and the false prophet. Isn't there a big emphasis on the Bible and remembering? Three times here, the word remembrance. See, Peter wanted them to think and act and live biblically by constantly remembering the truth of the gospel and the things of God. This repetition's not optional. It's deliberate. It's intentional. It's daily. It's continual. We, 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 we need to learn to think about the gospel. We, we need to think biblically and apply the gospel to every area of our lives. When it comes to school, when it comes to university, when it comes to work, when it comes to the country. You see, what we believe about God and the gospel and Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit and heaven and hell, it should have a big impact on how we live out our lives. Do we not live in a day when the church is full of many professing believers? They don't think biblically. They haven't learned to think through the gospel. Is that not why false teaching is spreading so rapidly in the church? Is that not why apostasy and religious downgrade is such a grip? False doctrine abounds. Could I say to you, to, could I remind you, don't just believe what I say because I say it. You, you submit my teaching to the book, to the law and to the testimony, Isaiah says. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. And the wonderful thing about the Bible is the Bible's full of constant repetition. For example, the Ten Commandments is given twice. Did you know that? Exodus 20. It's also repeated. In Deuteronomy 5, you think of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why is there four Gospels about the personal work of Christ? Because you're getting the fullest and the widest picture. And many things that are there in the Gospel are, are, are said in Matthew, are said in Mark, and also said in Luke, and some are said in John. Remember the repetition of the history of the children of Israel. It's there in the book. It's constantly being progressively unveiled to us. I think of what Jude said, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. Remember he said this in Jude 17. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think of 
Um, 2 Timothy, and Paul's advice to young Timothy, who was left to pastor the church at Ephesus, he said this in chapter 2 of uh, 2 Timothy in verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Remember the Lord Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me at the institution of the Lord's Supper. And if we, we think of this, uh, parents, how many times do parents say to children, how many times do I need to tell you either not to do this or to do something? See, it's constant. It's, it's repetitious. It's a reminder. And we must learn what we believe and why we believe it. And that's important. Remember, the Free Presbyterian Church is a confessional church. The Westminster Confession of Faith. And that's a body of truth that we ought to learn, lay to heart and mind, seek to live it out, and let it impact upon every area of our life and be loyal to it. As, as Solomon said, buy the truth and believe it not. If I put it this way, Peter was saying to these people, I believe you're saved. I've taught you the truth of the gospel, but there's something more that I want to do for you before I die. I want to instruct you. I want you to put these truths in remembrance because you're prone to forget. You're prone to neglect them. See that word neglect there in the verse 12? Wherefore I will not be negligent. That word is it's not only prone to forget. You know what it means? It means to treat lightly. That's what he's saying. You're prone to forget these things. You're prone to treat them lightly. So it's meet, it's right and proper that you learn the truth and you do it line upon line, precept upon precept. You, you study the words. You, you, you say that you know these things. You claim to know these things. But that's the very reason that I want you to learn it again. Because you really don't know it as you think you know it. You only know it lightly. This is not a new thing, he says. This is um, not being creative. I'm not being innovative with the truth. I want the truth to grip your heart and mind so that by constant repetition, you'll serve the Lord. By constant repetition, you'll survive in a dark, ungodly world. See, isn't there a tendency today not to think things through? Not to think biblically? And what's our appeal? Our appeal is to the scriptures, the scriptures of truth. And I say to again tonight to young people, to those who are listening, let's learn what we believe and why we believe it. And let's lay it to heart, live it out and be loyal to it so that we can serve the Lord and survive in an ungodly world. That's the key to remembering the truths of the gospel. Very quickly and secondly, think of the knowledge of remembering the truth of the gospel. If you look at the text, uh, verses 12 right through to 15, you've got the words, remembrance of these things. And he, he says that. Uh, verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. See, what's he saying here? He's saying this, you cannot and you will never as a Christian outgrow the gospel. A believer could say, 
A preacher could say, well, well, I know these things. And the question the apostle would ask, do you really know them? Do you and I really know the truths of the gospel? You know, I'm going to confess to you, the older I become, the more I realize there's many things that I don't know. And I pray, and you probably don't hear me praying, but I pray, Lord, help me to know you better. This text on the porch coming into the church is be still and know that I am God. And I want to know the Lord in a deeper, in a better, in a greater way. So I've got to pray about that. Because there's much about God I don't know. And I pray, Lord, help me to understand the gospel. Especially the great doctrine of salvation. Lord, help me to understand the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, give me a love for the words of the book. Like the psalmist who said, oh, how I love thy law. Remember in John's epistles, he wrote to fathers, to young men, and to children. Why? Because in the church there was fathers and young men and children in relation to their spirituality. And you see, we could never adopt the attitude, I know these things so well, that there's nothing any more that I can learn. You take, for example, John 3 and 16, the gospel in a nutshell, Luther called it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many recite that? How many can say, well, I know that that's the gospel in a nutshell? But do we really know? Is that text not so simple and yet so sublime, so profound, that, that, that like the sun in the sky... There's so much more to it of, of its light and power and heat that we don't understand. If I was to say to you tonight, what is the gospel? Let me tell you, it's a message from God. I can say every time I stand in this pulpit, I have a message from God. For you see, the gospel starts with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not the God of man's imagination. Not the God of man's thinking. See, for God so loved the world. Let's stop there. Who is God? What is God? Well, our catechism tells us God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And whole books could be written on the doctrine of God. And, and you see, if the gospel is a message from God and it starts with him, then we want to get to know the God of the Bible. But, but God says, be still and know that I am God. And we, we can know him. But after we feel that we know him even better and deeper in a greater way, we're still much more to learn about him. Do you see what I'm saying? Think of the gospel. It's a message from God about his remedy for human sinfulness. For God so loved the world. What's the world like? Don't think of its size. Think of its sinfulness. Think of the depravity of the human heart. Think of the fact that we're sinners by nature and practice. What is sin? Sin is any one for conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And you see, this message from God is about his remedy for human sinfulness. So we've got to face up to that. In all the darkness and all the depth of that human depravity, our hearts is a monster of iniquity, as Whitfield said. It's a message that centers in the personal work of Christ. Catechism, question 21, who is the redeemer of God's elect? The only redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal son of God became man and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. 
that brings in the doctrine of the incarnation, the doctrine of the virgin birth, the doctrine of a sinless life, the doctrine of atoning death, the doctrine of the ground of the shed blood, the doctrine of the resurrection, the doctrine of his ascension, the doctrine of his life intercession, the doctrine of a second coming. Are these not fundamentals to the Christian faith? The question, what think ye of Christ, whose son of thee? Is Jesus Christ not the eternal and the only begotten Son of God? See, the gospel remembers also a summons from Christ to repent and believe the gospel. That brings in the doctrine of true repentance, the doctrine of true faith, the doctrine of evangelism, fulfilling the Great Commission, going out with the call, repent ye and believe the gospel. And we've received that summons. The, 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 the gospel is a message to a life of holiness, faith, and obedience. There's living out the Christian life. There's the fruit of faith. It's a message of deliverance from hell and wrath to come. There's the doctrine of eternal punishment, the doctrine of the immortality of the human soul. Remember, the Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Is it not also a message of eternal bliss about heaven and home? Remember the Lord Jesus comforting his disciples in the upper room? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself where I am. There you may be also. You see, tonight, you can never outgrow the gospel. And the knowledge of remembering the truth of the gospel that you'll never outgrow the gospel is an important truth. There's heights to scale. There's depths to plummet. There's riches of the gospel that are fundamental to the Christian faith, to that body of present truth that God has revealed. If I could ask this, what is the only remedy for problems in your life? What is the only remedy for problems in the life of the Christian church? What, what is the only remedy for problems in our country? Here's the answer, the gospel. Do you know the problems that we face are not new? We've got a drink culture in Northern Ireland, a drug culture. We even have a pornography culture. But, but there was a pornography culture in the first century. It, it was even there, B.C. You think of the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. There was a materialistic culture before Christ and during Christ's life. There was an atheistic culture. Go to Athens, an unknown God. You see, all that's been manifest, there's nothing new under the sun. Every form of vice, every form of false religion was manifesting itself in the first century. It was an age of spiritism and materialism, hedonism, atheism, ecumenism, uh, atheism. It was all there. And the only answer was the gospel. Peter wanted this gospel truth to be known. He wanted that truth to fill their hearts and minds so that they're gripped by the revelation of God. And I say tonight, before I finish, I believe this is the duty of every true gospel minister. What did Peter say? Wherefore, there, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. As I've said, that word negligent means I'll not forget. But it also means I'll not treat the gospel lightly. He, he, he went on to say, I think it meet. In other words, it's right and proper that I stir you up. I'm not in amongst you, he's saying, as an entertainer, a dressed up clown. I, I don't come with a list of gimmicks. I, I don't come to promote myself. I'm not an innovator. Um, I'm a man who will not depart from the book. Isn't this what the apostle um, 
Paul was able to say there, if you look at 2 Corinthians and in chapter 4, or sorry, chapter 2 and verse 17, he, he said this, um, 2 Corinthians uh, 2 and verse 17, but we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. And he said in chapter 4, verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the time has come, like in Peter's day, when they're not enduring sound doctrine, when people have got itching ears. See, we live in a postmodern world. People tell us there's no such thing as absolute truth. Do you know that there's professing Christians who tell us there's no such thing as absolute truth? You can't have absolute sound doctrine. You've got to be inclusive. You've got to accept everyone and everything. Sound doctrine, they say, is divisive. It's the opposite of love. It's the opposite of acceptance. It's the opposite of accommodating individuals. And yet the Bible tells us, while it says God is love, and while it says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have loved one for another, the same Bible it tells us that tells us that love rejoices in the truth. And what truth? The present truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth that centers in the person and work of Christ. And that's what Peter's underscoring, the great truths of the gospel. Someone asked a preacher one time, why come to church? So he got a group of people and he asked them, well, why come to this church? Some said, well, the kids like it, it's fun and it's enjoyable. His reply was, well, so's the circus. The, 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 another person said, well, the, there's an atmosphere of acceptance. You, you're kind and you're loving. He said, well, you'll find that in the pub. So another person said, the music is good. And he said, well, they've also music in the disco that people dance to. Another person said, well, I got a good feeling from coming. He said, well, you get a good feeling when you have a meal in a restaurant. Now he said, let me explain. I believe as a minister that the kids' program should be exciting and relevant, and we shouldn't bore the children. And I believe the church should be friendly, and people must know that they're loved and wanted and needed. I believe the music should be uplifting. We love good singing. I believe it's important that you feel good, but feel good for the right reason. He says, let me tell you why I belong to this denomination. I belong to this denomination because the word of God is clearly and plainly preached among you without fear or compromise. Isn't that the primary factor? That in our day, the word of God is clearly and plainly preached without fear or favor. It's thus and thus saith the Lord. And in every problem, what do we want to do in our lives, in our church, in our community, it's, it's to consider Christ, the Son of God. Not neglect him. Not make light of him. Not, not, not um, uh, uh, forget him. Isn't that a danger? That we dismiss him, that we treat him lightly, not take it seriously? Peter's wanting them to understand that. Here's the knowledge of remembering the gospel. I want to just finish, and I'll take a moment to finish, the keeping on remembering the truths of the gospel. Now, notice these words 
If you look at the text again, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ have showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things in my remembrance. After my decease. You see, he knew that the great truths of the gospel, keeping on remembering these truths, was one of the great motivating factors in faithful service. He knew it was necessary for them to have a biblical view of life. Peter sees himself as a pilgrim. Think of the word tabernacle here. It means a tent, tents of temporary dwelling. You've got to think of one person moving from one place to another. It speaks of transition. It speaks of the shortness of life. He's only a pilgrim. He says, I'm not a permanent resident here. This world's not my home. You think of a hotel that you go to for a short time. You don't move your furniture in. You don't put pictures in the wall. Why? Because that's not your permanent dwelling. Well, that's what Peter's saying here. I must put off my tabernacle. My body's but a tent. You see, he lived with a biblical view of a life of service. And his service was governed by the gospel as he contemplated Christ, as he considered him. He didn't put people on a guilt trip. He didn't tell them a sob story. He, he, he didn't give them a set of principles. No, he presented Christ. And if you present Christ before your heart and mind, you'll not have a cold heart. And if your heart is, is, is uh, musing in Christ and meditating on him, and you spend time thinking of Christ, then you'll not have a cold heart. It's important. It's impossible to think of Christ and not be stirred up, not have a zeal for souls, not, 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 not have a zeal for prayer, not, not have a zeal for the book, not, not have, a, have a, a concern for the lost. Why? Because the love of Christ is the motivating factor. He had a biblical view of death. You know, he was facing martyrdom. John 21, verse 18. John 21, verse 19. We'll not turn to it. He's an old man. He's soon going to die. But he's not worried. He's not upset. He's not complaining. Peter realized that there's going to be a going out of this world to a coming in. I'm giving up the tent, my body, and I'm going to a mansion that the Savior has prepared for me. And he lived that way. A tent for a mansion. The late Dr. Kearns on Thursday, whenever he passed away, in the mid-morning, he left his tent for a mansion. The soul left the body and went into the presence of the Lord. Peter says, after my departure, to have these things always in remembrance. And I close with this thought. Peter knew he was not here forever. I'm not here forever. I would love to be starting out again. But Peter says, after I'm gone, I want you to be strong. Like me, have a biblical view of life and a biblical view of death by considering Christ. It was Richard Baxter that said, I preach as if I never would preach again. I preach as a dying man to dying men and women. That's the way Peter lived. That's the way he died. The keeping on remembering the truths of the gospel. I put it to you this Sabbath evening as we think of Remembrance Sunday as it comes to a close.
What are we going to remember? Well, Peter wants us to remember the truths of the gospel. The Lord bless you. Thank you for listening.